Welcome to the Embracing You podcast with your host, Eric Pothen. We are all on our own unique journey to discovering ourselves. Each episode, I will help you navigate the journey within to reconnect with and discover the innate love you have for yourself. This podcast will cover topics from self-love to eating disorders and body image to mental health and to overall well-being. My goal is to help you honor and embrace yourself so you may live your most authentic life. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Embracing You podcast. I hope that you all have been doing well, and if you've been living in Minnesota, I hope you have been staying cool um, with these hot temperatures that we have been having Today, you are in for a real treat with our episode, and I am incredibly excited to be able to share today's episode with you all as well. And today, we are going to be featuring a story of someone who has struggled with disordered eating, and his name is Justin. And one thing that I am very grateful for about Justin is that he felt so called to share his story especially being a male um, with his journey with disordered eating and his recovery and journey throughout that. And I think there's some really beautiful insight that we offer into this episode, especially surrounding body image and disordered eating within the gay community as well. So I don't want to say too much else here, but without further ado, let's dive in. All righty. Well, hello, Justin. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well. Just busy day, so good to kind of finally sit down and just sort of uh, relax on a podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am very excited to have you on the Embracing You podcast with us today. Um, and today is a pretty special episode as you uh, and your story will be the first male featured uh, story on the Embracing You podcast. And so this is something that I really want to continue to dive into is really bringing people on for them to share their story um, with our community. So I'm very grateful for you being here with us today. Yeah. There's a lot of us out there, I think. So, yeah. Absolutely. So to start off our conversation together, uh, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe what you do for work, uh, how you identify, and what led you to share your story with us today. Uh, so my name's uh, Justin Kohenauer. Um I grew up in the suburbs of Kansas City, um, went to... Uh, college uh, in Chicago, uh, Loyola University, and then med school at Creighton and Omaha uh, before I found my way up to the Twin Cities for a residency and didn't think the plan was going to be to stay here, but Twin Cities kind of grows on you and, um, you know, met someone and life just sort of uh, fell into place out here. So set down roots and pretty happy. Uh, identify as gay, have a fiance, getting married in a little less than two months now. And I guess what inspired me to want to come on here is just, you know, seeing all all of these stories, certainly for a while now, but it seems like it's really picked up of just, uh, you know, body image issues, especially in the gay community, but also, you know, just with men overall um, that don't really get talked about, um, that are 
finally starting to, I think, crack the surface as, you know, a lot of things dealing with masculinity, how we are taught to grow up and, you know, the effect that that has on us. And so I kind of wanted to, I guess, lend my voice to it as someone who is a pretty open book. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think you really hit the nail on the head here where this just isn't something that is talked enough about. And I think there's such a stigma around, you know, men struggling with body image and eating disorders and disordered eating, because when you hear eating disorder, all you picture is thin white woman and men aren't even a part of that picture. And so um, I'm really, really grateful to have you on and to have your own perspective as a gay male in particular as well, because I think this is another area that really needs to be addressed and focused on here is the unrealistic body expectations within the gay community. Um, and so I'm just very excited to kind of dive in and learn a little bit more about your story. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, when your struggles with eating and your eating disorder appeared and maybe what was going on in your life at that time? Uh, I would definitely say probably later elementary school. Um, I remember just having, looking back, what was probably out of control snacking tendencies. Like I remember I would come home from school and like make a whole thing of popcorn and just sit and eat it. And my weight definitely, you know, I was always like a pretty, I guess, in shape, quote unquote, um, kid, like never, you know, was, was, uh, you know, somebody who was overweight, uh, as a kid. And then it started to kind of get out of control around that time. My dad was traveling a lot. Um, my mom and I would eat out a lot. She was busy. She was a elementary school teacher. So, uh, and it was just the two of us. My sisters were, my older siblings were out of the house. So, you know, my mom just, you know, she didn't want to just be making all these meals for just her and I. Um, so we'd eat out a lot. I think that contributed to, um, to just putting on weight, uh, that kind of got worse during middle school. And then, you know, growth spurt happened and slimmed down. Uh, you know, I was always playing sports, but, uh, you know, really started to play a lot of sports in, in high school and organized sports, certainly, um, in high school sports and yeah, definitely, you know, was kind of a skinnier kid, never a very muscly kid, (laughs) but yeah, I'd say that was probably when, you know, elementary school was when like the struggle with sort of binging kind of started and it kind of stuck throughout. It was more just, I became more active as I got older. So it sort of offset all that snacking. But I mean, I would just go through these periods. I mean, I could eat like an entire bag of chips, uh, of tortilla chips without even like batting an eye. But yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. I think in a, a lot of the literature that I'm reading, more and more research is showing that, you know, struggles with body image can happen as early as elementary school. Um, and so I think, you know, it makes sense to hear you say, you know, like that was the period of time in your life in which it started like that. I think that's the most interesting thing is that there is no definitive age of when a lot of these struggles begin to happen um, with food, body image, etc. So I I just wanted to kind of point that out here. Yeah, I was gonna say it was definitely like, I remember 
you know, being told to like suck in or something in, in pictures. And I think that that definitely had an effect. You know, at first, I think the body image issues was more just related to like your looks and your hair and kind of things. Like, I remember, you know, that was the time of like spiked frosted tips and gelled hair to the nth degree. And, you know, if you didn't look, if you didn't have those things or look that way, you know, you sort of notice it. And then it kind of morphed into like your own like physical body image um, issues more than just, you know, your hair and, and glasses and those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of just brought us up with your story up through your kind of growth spurt puberty kind of age. Um, Would you mind continuing that story here a little bit and maybe talk about, you know, when, what led up to, you know, when you were really beginning to struggle with food and body image? Yeah, I remember, you know, and then starting college and suddenly went from being very, very active, playing tons of sports, you know, basically going to school and then going to, you know, various soccer practice, track practice, whatever, year round after school and just running and everything to all of a sudden doing nothing, no physical, no like exercise. Um, Cause I didn't want to, I was kind of tired. I was burned out, I think on sports. And so I gained like probably the freshman, you know, I always say the freshman 15, I definitely gained like the freshman 25, like really bloomed. Um, definitely didn't have like healthy eating habits going into college or really knowing how to eat. Uh, a balanced diet um, from growing up. So just went kind of, you know, went kind of wild in in college. And then, you know, there was drinking and, you know, I never drank in high school, started drinking in college. So that's another thing that really puts weight on. Uh, And so college, I just like put on a lot of weight, which was never like, I know BMI is kind of BS, but if you were look at the BMI scale, if we were doing that, um, was never like in an obese category, but was always overweight. Um, and then after college, took a year off before going to medical school, moved back home and kind of decided like, oh, you know, I really want to lose weight. I want to be healthier. Um, I started a job that was like a weird shift. It was, it was 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, in a lab. So just kind of weird hours. But it meant that I wasn't like going out all the time. Uh, so I would go to the gym in the morning when I'd wake up and I lost, you know, basically slimmed all the way back down that year. I felt really good about myself because I equated like my looks and everything with, you know, feeling good. Um, then we started med school, all those stressors, gained a bunch of weight again. Um, graduated medical school pretty much about the same weight as I graduated college and then came up for residency and intern year was what it was. Weight stayed pretty stable. wasn't really focusing on losing weight, but definitely was trying to focus on exercising just more for like mental health, you know, just the stressors of intern year. Um, and then came out at the end of my intern year. And I think it like really hit after I came out and just exposed to, you know, just the realities of, of the gay community. Um, seeing all these guys who like have six pack abs and they're the ones who are getting attention. And, you know, suddenly I'm trying to date and enter this dating pool and, you know, those are the guys who you're, who I was also attracted to, but who weren't attracted to me. So that kind of plays in your mind of like, okay, well, if I want to be with those types of guys, then I need to look like that. And so I uh, started to try to lose weight, downloaded my fitness pal, um, and was tracking all of my calories. Um, so it was really restricting, but lost a lot of weight. Was also, I was working out all the time. I was running all the time. Definitely started to notice like 
very quickly, pants becoming looser, having to buy all new clothes. And, you know, I started getting more attention from people who I was more attracted to. So that just kind of fed into it. It was just like positive feedback with disordered eating. <laughs> so it made me think like, yep, this is what I want to keep doing, even though this kind of sucks. And then it just kind of, I really went past sort of the limit. I remember, uh, you know, taking a picture at like Pride and I had my shirt off and I could see my ribs. I could see my clavicles just poking out. I remember a good friend actually commented on the picture, OMG, you're so skinny. And it had the, even though it was just a comment, it had the tone of worry. Um, and then I remember I got uh, a bad like stomach flu and I still felt the need to keep exercising, keep working out, despite the fact that I was like physically ill. And I remember I almost passed out on a run on a bridge because I was so dehydrated. And I think it was the comments, the pictures, um, all those things where I suddenly was like, oh, I think I've gone too far. Like I'm, I'm now just like unhealthily skinny. Um, or I, or I didn't, I didn't like how I looked anymore. So I didn't like how I looked when I was overweight. I didn't like how I looked when I was super skinny. So it was like, okay, I need to find some balance and some middle ground. And I just kind of clawed my way back from there. Um, you know, never sought treatment or guidance from like a, a doctor or a dietitian. Um, I think I definitely thought like, you know, I'm a doctor. I can do this. I know what to do. I know how to do this. You know, try to just self-educate, uh, look at a bunch of blogs or, or uh, Instagram of people who I thought knew what they were talking about. Some of them did. Some of them definitely did not, um, looking back. And stopped counting all my calories, kind of got a feel for, like, what was a healthy amount to be eating for me. And, you know, focused less on running, more on, like, weight training and those types of things. And... I just kind of clawed myself back from, from kind of the brink of being like super skinny all the while, all this is happening. I'm also just getting positive reinforcement from like my parents who are saying like, God, you look, you look so skinny, you know, you look good. And I didn't, I didn't look good. I don't think, you know, I was, I was definitely unhealthy. I was like gaunt, I think would be the best term for it. Um, and you know, we've talked about that. I've talked about that with them about, you know, some of the things that they were saying where it was like, you weren't really, you were kind of reinforcing a pretty negative health, but you know, that, that, that is something that I think is just generational and, and, and a different way of looking at things and something that my parent, that my mom especially is grappling with now. Um, so yeah, I think that brings me up to today where I'm still, still, it's a struggle. Um, I still have periods where I will like binge eat. Um, I, I also know that I sort of morphed from being a stress eater to being a stress restrictor, um, which is interesting that, that, that can change. And now when I'm really stressed, like I just won't eat, you know, I'll, I'll wait long periods between eating, but I think by and large, I have a healthier outlook on food and my relationship with food, but yeah, it's still a struggle. I mean, I still have, even today, still have those thoughts of like, oh, you know, I ate too much last night, so I need to like eat less today or I need to go work out hard today or like take an extra long walk or, you know, do those things. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for your vulnerability and, and sharing all that you just shared. And I can relate so much to your own story because for me, my eating disorder kind of 
started right after college and I did lose weight from, you know, not drinking, not going out, eating healthier, exercising. And so I'm seeing so many parallels and similarities between the two of our stories. A question that came to mind as I was listening um, is when you were really in the depths of struggling with your disordered eating, did you feel like your true self or did you feel like you were a different person living inside of your body when you were truly struggling? Like when I was had lost the weight and gotten really skinny, like during that time, I felt like I did not feel like my true self. It was definitely, I was completely consumed by diet and, and looks and those types of things. Like I wasn't, I was just living, you know, just kind of like living from one meal to the next and restricting and and making sure that I was keeping track of everything. And I wasn't having fun. I mean, I wasn't like actually embracing life. I was just sort of just kind of felt disconnected. I think you that last word you said right there, disconnected, like once again, highlights so beautifully. I think a very common experience for those that really do find themselves in a, in a, in a deep place of struggling with food and body image and disordered eating is that disordered eating or eating disorder voice tries to take up as much space in your mind as possible. And it wants you to build the strongest relationship and friendship with it where that wants to be the only thing that exists. And when you engage with that, that's where the disconnect comes with the outside world is you become so invested in seeking and finding control, I think, in in, in those behaviors that the disordered eating voice is wanting you to kind of engage with and, and whatnot. So I think I really liked how you just pointed out that disconnect part at, happened as well. So thank you so much for uh, highlighting that. Another question I have for you is I know you kind of mentioned as well that you didn't receive any sort of treatment, you didn't seek help from a doctor, and that you slowly were able to kind of make your way to a healthier space with food and eating um, and body image and whatnot. But what did that process actually look like? Was it an easy process for you? Did you find that there were struggles along that route of trying to get yourself to that healthier space. Did you find that, you know, potentially that disordered eating voice was still trying to hold on at any point in time in the process? Um, I'm just curious to know a little bit more about your um, recovery, quote unquote, process. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, I think it took longer than it would have if I had, like, actually asked for help or, or gone to like a, a dedicated professional Um, I think I got lucky, to be quite honest. I also think that it was probably fairly mild. Like, I do not think that somebody who is, who is a really severe um, disordered eating or, or I I don't know if you can do that on your own. Um, I think I, it was a combination of luck, a combination of kind of more mild. Um, I think what also really cracked it was like, uh, you know, I was struggling with this pretty much right up until the pandemic. Pandemic happens, gyms are closed, you know, so I I can't physically work out that much. I mean, I remember buying like water jugs at Target to like lift just to do something. But then, you know, that I think it was the pandemic that really was just such a shock to everyone's system that it really made me, you know, suddenly 
you're you're just you're eating more you're you know I, I realize like okay I have to take better care of myself um you're also you know you're just sort of like in your own little pod of people and you know it was just it was such a change in focus on what was important I think that was what it was so I think it was just all of these like factors that and maybe that went in with the luck I mean a pandemic being lucky um that really sort of shifted me out of it but again it's still a struggle like I would not tell anybody that I'm like cured or I'm good I don't struggle anymore like I still go through periods it is still this little voice in my head telling me like you need to go work out more you need to lift more um it's bad on social media you're looking at Instagram your little for you page or whatever and it's all you know the algorithm just throwing all these people at you with perfect bodies, perfect everything else that just you compare yourself to. Um, so it's still, I am in no way, shape or form like uh, fully recovered. And I don't know if anyone ever is. I think it's always a struggle. Um, it's just having better positive talk to get yourself out of that negative talk faster. That is kind of the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I agree with you there where, you know, I've been in recovery for almost four years now for my eating disorder. And there are still moments where I struggle. And I think you can get yourself to a point where it's not consuming as much as what it was on a daily basis. And every single second of the day, you're living in this life of being, you know, taken over by this eating disorder, disordered eating voice. Um, but I do think you can get yourself to a more grounded, balanced space where you have the tools, you know how to kind of navigate that voice when it does become active. And so I think you can get to that place. But, you know, I go back and forth with, do I really believe that individuals can be fully recovered? I think they can become recovered and have the um, the tools to navigate, yes, but I do think that that voice will always be in our mind. It just might be more dormant at times than others. Which is kind of good. Like it makes you sort of keep your guard up, I think. Um, like if I were to think, oh, I'm good, I might let it down and suddenly find myself, you know, right back down. So I'm just kind of vigilant as to, you know, just keeping an eye on like, make sure you are, uh, you know, not getting back into the, all those negative emotions or having those negative relationships with food. Like it's okay to go out and, and eat a burger or eat, you know, not just a salad and a soup at dinner or something like that. Like you can eat what you want. Um, but it's still, yeah. I mean, there's still times it's still a struggle. 100%. What do you think some of those pressures are that might be contributing to these struggles that you still find yourself facing today? Oh, I think it's still just, you know, trying to have that perfect physique and, you know, seeing all these, you know, influencers and everything else and, you know, people who do have that and you're trying to attain it. So you're looking at like, oh, well, what do they do? And so much of it's like lies, you know, and kind of having that thought in the back of my head of like, one, is this picture even accurate? Who knows if this was photoshopped? Um, you know, are they doing uh, all sorts of different types of enhancing drugs that I'm not gonna do? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do steroids. Um, you know, what else is that play there? Like, 
just trying to show myself that like it, it, they're not perfect either. And I don't need to always chase that, but it is hard when you're just like bombarded with all these images of this is, this is desire. This is what, um, everybody should want to be and, and look like, um, because look at all the attention that person's getting and it's media, it's everything that is still putting the emphasis on that. It's start, it feels like it's starting to shift. Like we're becoming, like we're starting to focus more on diverse body types and, uh, looking all sorts of different ways. Um, yeah, there's still just this like, uh, hierarchy, I think, especially in the gay community of, um, if you look a certain way, you will get attention. You will get invited to the big parties. You will get free stuff. Even, I mean, you'll get, you will be the person that they want in, uh, in the, you know, at the, at the top tier. Um, and they're not going to do that for somebody who's overweight or doesn't wear the right clothes or absence of clothes or, or what. Yeah. I think you painted that picture so beautifully where I think honestly, that is one of the most frustrating things to me about the gay community is how much attention we give to, you know, the perfect body and, you know, this has been around for such a long time, this, you know, picture of, you know, like you had mentioned, and just solely focusing on exterior appearance, right? And I think what's frustrating is I feel like we continue to give attention to those that do have the perfect bodies. We're not, we're not really challenging or doing a whole lot to try and shift, you know, where we give that attention to and what we give that attention to. And so I think I'm, I'm really appreciative of, you know, you painting that picture here of, yes, that is such a real pressure that I myself face as a gay man of having the perfect body, right? Like, I can guarantee you that there is a high percentage of gay men out there that, you know, also feel that unrealistic expectation and pressure to have that perfect body. And if not, you're, you feel excluded, right? Or you don't feel like you're going to get attention. And that's where I think a lot of the troubles with self-worth can sneak in. And I think for a community that is discriminated against in a way, right? Just like as a whole, the LGBTQ community, we are also discriminating within the gay community when we're talking about bodies and body type. For trying to be inclusive, we can be pretty we can be pretty exclusive sometimes within our own community. One hundred percent, and I think, you know, I would I'm just so glad that we're having you on this episode and on this podcast today because I just want other gay men to know that it's okay to struggle with body image, and also I think it's important for other gay men to hear the effects of, you know, trying to live up to this societal expectation of having that perfect body and the impact it can have on our own health and well-being. And I think, you know, of the men that struggle with an eating disorder or disordered eating, 90 plus percent identify as gay. And so I think there is a lot more men out there that struggle within the gay community than we realize. And brought in those terms of like, what is disordered eating? You know, cause I think sometimes it, like this is especially in medicine, like 
sometimes the best thing you can do is the broadest definition possible to try to catch the most people. Um, and so realizing that like disordered eating, you know, we're, we all grew up with the stereotype of eating disorders as like binging, purging. Um, and now it's, it, it's, it, just, it keeps broadening, um, which is good to try to catch more things, to try to catch more people. Um, and so I think that that is the other important thing is, is pointing out like what, what disordered eating is so people can realize like, oh, I have that. And then you can say like, then that's okay. Now we can like try to work on that, that you can see that like, you know, oh, this is, this is actually a problem. Um, and something that I should maybe like look into or, or think about. Um, so sometimes having those, you know, you want to increase like the sensitivity, right. To catch as many people as possible and, and, and try to help as many people as possible. 100%. And I think it all comes down to intention, right? Like when we think about disordered eating, like what are your intentions for engaging in this behavior? You know, and I think if people can pause to truly take a second to think about why they are engaging and what they are engaging in, I think it would really point out to a lot of people like how much of other people's opinions and what society is saying and how it might be influencing them is actually a part of the picture, the bigger picture here of what's leading them to do whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, I think the intent, I'm glad you said, because that's like, I still work out a lot, um, but my intent behind that has shifted from like, oh, I want to look good. I mean, that's like, that's a nice uh, icing on the cake, I guess, of like, oh, you know, you work out, you, you know, you can also look good, you can feel good, but more it shifted in that it's it's to like make me feel good. Um, it's good for my mental health. Um, I enjoy like pushing myself to those limits. Um, also it's just good for like, I have a lot of aches and pains. I have chronic back pain. So like working out is also just something that like keeps those aches and pains actually away, like constantly keep like muscles, limber joints, everything. So my, my intention behind working out shifted from like, Oh, I just want to do this, like look good or like cancel out that binge episode that I did the other day. Now it's like, oh no, I want to do this because I'm going to the gym because it's just going to like help me feel better, <laughs> um, which was, I think, another big shift in my, in my thought process as I was recovering from kind of the worst of it. And isn't that so freeing when you kind of realize and are able to make that shift of you are exercising to feel good, you know, it's good for your mental health and not exercising to lose weight or that was such a critical part in my transition as well and in my recovery when and I'm like no this feels good to move and I think for me something that I continuously tell myself in my body is like you can do amazing things and I think I don't take enough time out of my day regardless of if I'm having a really shitty body image day to just honor and celebrate all that it does for me on a daily basis and so I think for me being able to shift and also come from a place of being able to honor and accept and celebrate my body was was really, really important for me and in, in my own recovery and where I'm at today. Here in, in America, I need to get back to, to kind of the basics. I mean, you look at like Europe where they're not eating salads at every meal and they have better outcomes. They just have a better relationship with food. 
Um, food is fuel. Food is, is enjoyment. Food is tied to family. Food is all these things. Um, and so I think we just have to like have less of a, less of a, we just have to shift our thinking about how, about our eating habits and, and, and everything. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about here is really dismantling diet culture here in America. I think we have given, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And so I think that's, that's going to take time and that's big picture, big work where I think a lot of the work lies, but I think a lot of that starts with individuals, right? Like it takes people who are aware of what diet culture can do to an individual and as a society into just expose it. And um, that's hard. That's really hard because it requires a shift in thinking. It requires you to, like you said, go back to the basics, right? Of why do you have to be, you know, consuming peanut butter powder instead of peanut butter, right? Why can't you just eat peanut butter? You know what I mean? And so that's where diet culture comes in. It's telling us we need to eat the healthiest thing and all of that. And it's just so damaging, I think, to... Or do this bad diet where, you know, this all these cleanses. Oh, my God. They're all so stupid. All these like, oh, here's this cleansing that your body cleanses itself. Like, come on. Like, we wouldn't be on this earth. We wouldn't have survived as a species if our body didn't do an excellent job of cleansing the toxins on its own. You know, you do these cleanses that cost all this money and drink all the, and just drink juices. Like those are awful for you. Those are awful for your, just like your health. Those are terrible from like a medical perspective, yet they are catchy. And it's these influencers who are like, you can look like me. No, that person looks like that because of God knows what steroid they're using or who knows what, like, no, they are not even doing that diet regimen. They're just selling it. And people will fall for it. They get swindled, you know? And it's just like, this is so unhealthy. Just eat food. <laughs> just eat good food. If it's available. I mean, that's the other thing that I would be completely remiss for not pointing out is we also, it, your your ability to have a good diet is is contingent on your on your zip code, on, on your race, on all these other things. So I, that is, you know, I, can, I totally also understand that it's not simply just... Um, eating healthy, it's also having access to healthy foods and, and those types of things, which is sadly just not something that is available to to many, many people in this country. Yeah, I would agree. Before we wrap up our time here together, um, if you could say anything to other men that are out there struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating or body image, what would you say to them? Um, that I think everyone is struggling. And so I, you know, which is a really, which sounds very negative, but I mean, don't just because somebody looks perfect or, or has the right physique that you think is desirable, that person probably thinks somebody else is better than them. And it, they're going through their own struggle. And it's almost like, it's just, it's like, everybody is probably struggling. So give everyone a little bit of grace. Um, you know, don't judge, you know, really try to like make those connections. And I think that's actually the biggest thing is I think that we should just do a better job of making connections with people who look different than us. You know, go for the personality, don't go for the physique. Um, I think that that is, is, is really something. I mean, some of the people who, you know, look the best are, are, are struggling the most. 
Yeah. I think one thing or a couple of things that I would like to also offer up to our listeners and particularly our male listeners here is that it's okay to struggle if you are a male. This, you know, anyone can struggle with a body image. You don't have to be a woman to be struggling or to be classified as struggling with food or an eating disorder or body image. Like you are allowed to struggle and it is okay if you are struggling. And I think being able to just embrace and honor the struggle is the first step. And I think really trying to heal your relationship with food and eating and your body. So I think number one, it's okay to struggle. And two, come back to who you are as an individual. Like you said, have conversations to get to know people's personality. Don't get to know someone just because of their physical appearance. And so I think the more we can continuously return to ourselves and be able to remind ourselves of who we are and I think what we bring to this world and um, whatnot can be so incredibly powerful and can shift our brain from the only way for me to have worth and, and to be deemed as worthy in the eyes of others, you know, is having this perfect body um, instead of no, my worth and what I can offer to this world can be found in who I am as an individual and my personality and what I can give to others and this world. So I think those would be, you know, a couple of other things that I would really like to offer up to men out there. The second one is harder. The second one is definitely harder being able to return to yourself, especially if that struggle is very real and present in your life right now. Um, That takes some work, but it is doable. And I think everyone is capable and more um, able to get there to that place of coming back to who you are as an individual and trying to separate worth um, from how your body looks. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Um, So the last question I have for you uh, in our time here together uh, is that the title of this podcast is Embracing You. So how has your journey um, of living with disordered eating and, you know, your own journey to get you to where you are today allowed you to embrace yourself? I thought about this. I I think it's that I am always trying to embrace myself that I'm the it's, it's the work is never done. You're I think you constantly have to, to touch base with with your own emotions, your own outlook, everything. So I guess as far as me embracing myself, it's embracing that I'm never gonna be perfect. And that's okay. I don't need to keep chasing that I just need to keep on checking in with myself and that yeah the work is never done (laughs) which sounds exhausting but it also just means that um we are just constantly creatures who are having to who are evolving and changing and that that is good and to I guess to embrace myself is to embrace just the complete um you know that sometimes it's not it's not in my control and to embrace that as well Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was, that was really beautiful. And I think that's really at the root of a lot of this work, like you had mentioned, is learning to kind of embrace the imperfectness and being able to embrace yourself with where you are now and being able to embrace the fact that there will always be work to do 
And how beautiful is it that, you know, you've been through this own journey with your body and this voice that existed in your mind that tried to tell you otherwise, but now you are in this space. I just think that is really powerful to have been sitting here and having this conversation with you today to kind of learn a little bit more about your story and just that shift from where you were then to where you are now. So I just want to thank you so much for your vulnerability and your courage that um, it took to come on to this podcast today and for you to share your story with us all. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you for the invitation. And I hope it, you know, helps help some people out there to realize that men are just as just as uh, prone to these types of thinking as as our female counterparts and, you know, do do better and, and treat each other better. Once again, I would like to thank Justin for his vulnerability and for him to feel so called to share his story with us. I would like to say that this is just the beginning of featuring individual stories um, and their experiences with disordered eating, eating disorders, and struggles with body image on the Embracing You podcast. So I definitely look forward to interviewing more individuals in this space and see the ripple effect it has on individuals. So until next time, I hope you continue to take care of yourselves. I hope that you continue to treat you, your mind, and your body with love and respect because it is your home. And most importantly, I hope you can continue to embrace you for who you are and all that you offer to this world. Much love.